I wanted to show that clip because our foundational text for the series of messages I'll be sharing this month in the month of January uh, in a lot of ways resembles what happened in that clip. Last week we discovered that after David was on the run from Saul, his brethren, when they heard that he was in hiding, a fugitive in the cave of Adullam, his brothers came and they joined him. And the scripture defines them as men who were in debt, men who were discontent, and men who were in distress. David became a captain over these 400 ordinary men. But through these 400 ordinary misfits, God did extraordinary things. If you're here this morning and you've ever felt like a misfit, like those Scottish men, many of them farmers, villagers, who are about to take on the mightiest army on their continent. You may sometimes feel outnumbered, outclassed, undertrained. But no matter where you find yourself this morning, you're in good company. Because the scripture says that God has not used many mighty, he has not used many noble, but God has chosen the things that were despised by this world to do extraordinary things. And much like those men who assembled around William Wallace, David's brethren came to him at the cave of Adullam, desperate for change. In fact, this year, I believe, is our own Adullam. Adullam represents change. Adullam represents a strategic inflection point. Adullam represents those defining moments in our lives that can change the very trajectory, not only of this moment, but for generations to come. And I believe this year, over the next 12 months, we will be faced with destiny-defining, legacy-fulfilling decisions that will not only alter our lives now in this moment, but it will touch the generations to come. Remember what he said in the movie, I can't say it verbatim, but he said, run and you may live. Fight and you may die. But would you be willing to trade this moment? Imagine that. He said, you can stay. And you may die. You, you might even run, but you're only going to live for a moment. But will you be willing to trade every day from this day forward for what you could accomplish right now? And that's exactly what we're about to read about in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Right now, in this moment, and I believe in the days to come, we will be confronted with a similar question about the decisions and the choices that we make. Will we settle for what is comfortable and convenient? Or will we rise to the occasion and assemble and join our lives, even with those who are considered misfits? Let me pray and we'll dive into the word together. Uh, and the Lord's going to help us this morning. Uh, he's going to help us this morning with some legacy-defining decisions. Legacy-defining decisions. Here's the truth this morning, City Church. You and I cannot undo what's already done. 
but you and I can be intentional and deliberate from this day forward and determine what the trajectory and the future of our lives will look like. You cannot unring the bell. You cannot unspill the milk. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And unfortunately, that's where most of us live. We live our lives in the rear view mirror. And imagine what would happen if I got in my car right now and started to drive down the tollway the whole time looking in the rear view mirror. I can tell you what is inevitable. Not only will I get in a wreck and hurt myself, I will hurt everybody in close proximity to me. And legacy finds a way to let go of what is past, to let go of what is done, and look forward to what is ahead. And I believe this year, God is challenging each of us to begin to think and to live beyond today in a culture that wants it now and wants it our way. God is challenging us to think differently. And that is what happens when you and I make the choice to leave our places of comfort and convenience and familiarity and find our adulam. And let me tell you something else about adulam. If you put 400 men, not counting their wives and children, because typically in scripture, when people were numbered, they didn't count the wives and the children. But you put 400 men in a cave with their families and they're in debt and they're discontent, and they're all in distress, I can guarantee you it's a messy situation. Legacy doesn't come in a neatly packaged box. Sometimes it will be messy. And sometimes the mess comes from the people closest to you. But the truth is this morning, City Church, if you are a Christ follower, you're already a misfit. There's nothing about this world and this world system that you and I will ever fit into neatly because the one we serve, the one we call our savior king was a misfit. And so here's the truth this morning. We can't experience God's results doing things our way. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna leave a legacy that resonates for generations. I've got to align myself and embrace the title and embrace this idea that for the rest of my life, I am a misfit. I want you to hear that city church because that's where it gets awkward. Because we want, I shared this last week, James says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. That I can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God simultaneously. In fact, Jesus went on to say that you're in this world, but you're not of it. For the rest of our lives, if we are serious about being identified with Christ, we, we must embrace the fact that we are misfits. That when the world says an eye for an eye, we choose to trust what Jesus says, turn the other cheek. 
And there will be things about your life when you make that decision to be a misfit that people around you won't understand, that they will criticize you for, but that's okay. You're in good company. You're a misfit, just like Jesus. The choices you make with your family and the choices you make in your professional life and the choices you make in every area of your life will stand in stark contrast to what everybody else chooses to do. But that's okay, City Church. You're a misfit. In fact, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul writes, and this is from the message paraphrase, He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. It's just a natural thing that there's no difference in the way I live and the way everybody else lives. I just fit right in. He said, instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he will develop well-formed character within you. Every day we live, City Church, we have a choice. We can choose to be popular or we can choose to be powerful. Here's the truth this morning, City Church, uh, that, that, that just because culture approves it doesn't mean that the kingdom authorizes it. It can be culturally acceptable and not kingdom approved or authorized. And what God is inviting us into again What he's inviting us into again, City Church, is to live a life that is distinct from everything around us. Not walking around like we're better than people, but realizing just like Daniel, who was immersed in a culture in Babylon that was ungodly, he set himself apart and he dared to be different. Uh, Quickly, for the time we have remaining, I want to talk to you about some legacy-defining decisions. Legacy-defining decisions. Mm -hmm. You're writing your legacy right now. Right now, you and I are in the process of determining how we will be remembered. You've heard me say this before. If you can decide how how you want to be remembered, it will determine how you live right now. If I can say how I want to be remembered by my wife, by my children, by my church, it will begin to govern and guide how I live today. Uh, James Baldwin, uh, the 20th century writer, said, history, I contend, is the present. You know what he was saying? He says, in every moment, you and I are making history. Because an hour from now, what we do right now will be cataloged and chronicled as history. So every moment and every decision we make matters. How I would like to be remembered matters. And I decide that right now. Let me tell you the first legacy-defining decision that misfits make. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week. Number one, if you're going to choose how you will be remembered, if you're going to define your legacy, number one, you have to understand that what you separate from determines 
what you align with. What you separate from determines what you align with. Can I just make this crystal clear for you, City Church? When you get serious about honoring God, not everybody's going to be able to come with you. In fact, you will have to make the choice of who can come with you and who can't. Notice that these 400 men made a conscious decision to separate from Saul and join themselves to David. Saul represents everything that is carnal and that originates in human desire. Because remember, Saul was not God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. But David was God's anointed. When you find yourself at this strategic inflection point called Adullam, you will have to make a choice between what is carnal, what is defined by culture, and what is culturally acceptable, and what God says we ought to do. Every legacy-defining decision begins with separation. And what you choose to separate from and who you choose to separate from will determine who you align your life with. How many of you realize that you can't run with Saul and David simultaneously? Mm -hmm. You can't look to the word of God for counsel and take instruction from the real housewives of Atlanta. At some point, there's got to be a separation. And the struggle that we sometimes have and the tension that we sometimes has, have is the fact that choosing to do things God's way simply means I'm no longer going to fit in. And most of us aren't willing to make that decision. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. This morning, I really want to talk to you about the fact that the second legacy-defining decision that misfits make is they confront and overcome their approval addiction. You cannot embrace the life of a misfit while simultaneously living for the approval of others. The tension most of us have in life is not that we don't want to obey God. The struggle that we often have is what does obeying God mean for all these other things that I like and I'm accustomed to? The struggle is what we have to give up in order to go up. The struggle is really our addiction to approval. Uh, nobody wants to be the last kid picked on the playground. Yet there is something about walking with God that resembles that. And most of us wrestle when we come to that place. And I believe, I believe I'm talking to a room full of people who at one time or another have experienced the pain 
I want you to hear that word, the pain of rejection. Yet God invites us to be misfits. And the life of a misfit means that you will be rejected by the world. It's like, man, I'll do it, I'll do it. And so this is what we, this is what we do, Larry. We have a form of godliness and we deny the power thereof. We look the part, but we're not all the way in. And we make decisions every day that impact our legacy because we straddle the fence. The reason we straddle the fence is because we want to be loved. We want to be approved. We want to fit in. Yet our decision to fit in to culture is impacting the legacy that we leave. Legacy defining decisions. The hardest decision, I think, one of the hardest decisions that you and I will make is to embrace the fact that if I'm going to follow Jesus, there are certain circles where I just won't fit in. It's one of the toughest decisions that I've had to make as a pastor. Yeah. That you just can't have both. That you just can't have both. I'm talking about legacy now. I'm talking about deciding today how you and I would like to be remembered. So, so let, me, let me help you now with this thing called approval, uh, this approval addiction. Now, let me, let me just qualify what I'm about to say. Hmm? Let me qualify what I'm about to say. What I'm not saying is that what people think of you does not matter. That's not what I'm saying because it does. How people see you and how people view you matters. And it should matter to you. Where the problem comes in and the addiction comes in is when what other people think about you dominates your life. The addiction comes in when what other people think about you and how they perceive you becomes the motivation for the decisions that you make. Because your choices... And my choices in life should be internally regulated, not externally motivated. I'll say that again. The decisions that you and I make should be internally regulated, not externally motivated. If the first thought that comes to my mind when I'm making the decision is what other people will think about me, I probably have an approval addiction. Let me, let me again, let me qualify further what I'm saying. A person who is only interested in themselves is a narcissist. A person who cares nothing for what other people think about them is a sociopath. Somewhere between narcissistic behavior and sociopathic behavior, which are the two extremes, is where most people live and somewhere in there is a need for approval. But some of us can have an unhealthy 
need for approval. And that's why we never make it over to the life that Jesus intended for us, the life of a misfit. Because we desire so much to be approved, so much to be accepted, so much to be loved. Notice where I'm going now, that the culture just continues to suck us back in, continues to suck us back in. And Jesus says, the life that you have imagined is waiting for you here, but I've got to be approved. I want my girlfriends to like me. I want my dudes, my buddies to, to, I want the guys I used to roll with. I want them to respect me. I need to have street cred. And culture continues to pull us away from the life we've imagined. Let me tell you the first reality that each of us must grapple with, not even grapple with, must embrace, is that before anyone had an opinion about you, God loved and accepted you. Let's start right there. That I am loved and accepted by God regardless of anybody else says or thinks about me. He created me the way he created me because father knows best. Long hair, short hair, thin, rotund. Whatever you came out looking like was the direct result of a God who said, I want you to look like that. Your personality, the way you laugh, the way you walk, the way you talk, all of it from a God who loves and accepts you just the way you are. Long before any critic had an opinion about you. So why do we live for their acceptance and their approval? When God says, I love you just the way you are. Come on, somebody. Where, where, where's some of my 70s babies? Don't go changing, trying to please me. Come on, Larry, you know this one. Don't change the color of your hair. Come on, you know, you know, you know, Pastor Ray doing a little something, something. Because if someone really loves you, they're not going to make you change who you are to conform to what they like. Yet that's what we live for. Let's settle that once and for all. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, that you are accepted in the beloved. Those are the words of God. You are loved. You are accepted. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. Come on, say that with me. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. No matter who thinks differently. God said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. Check, check this out, check this out. Saul and David. Whoever you allow to crown you, you will owe your allegiance to. For Saul's entire tenure as king, 
He was always playing to the crowd. God told him, wait until Samuel the prophet comes to sacrifice these sheep. And because it took Samuel seven days to get there, guess what Saul did? Well, the people were complaining. The people wanted sacrifice. Whoever you're allowed to crown you, you will owe your allegiance to. Notice David's response because he was not chosen by men, but he was anointed by God. David knew he was a misfit. Never played to the crowd. Lived to please God. That's why his testimony was that he was a man after God's own heart. I will never embrace the misfit lifestyle as long as I'm living for the approval of others. So here we go. Uh, I told you, I just had a whole bunch of thoughts going around in my head. But help a brother out, if you can. Can you, can you do that for me? Everybody say, hi, Kelly. hi, Kelly. Kelly can handle the pressure. She's been with me about seven years, six years. So she's good. Let me give you five quick reasons to break your approval addiction. Five reasons. Number one. As long as you live for the approval of others, you will never be your authentic self. That's the first reason. You need to break your approval addiction. I will never become all that God has created me to be. I will never find God's purpose for my life as long as my life is directed by what other people say about me. Let me tell you what the totality of your life and my life will be if we live for the approval of others. Let me tell you, you all ready for this? The totality of my life will be a compilation. I want you to hear this. If I live for the approval of others, the entirety of my life will be a compilation of other people's expectations. Let me, let me say that again. Your whole life, your whole legacy will be summed up in this. I dedicated my life to pleasing others and I never found my purpose. I look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 from the New Living Translation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 from the New Living Translation. Number one, if you live for the approval of others, you will never become who you were created to be. All you will ever be is a compilation of other people's expectations. Can I tell you the danger of that? Jesus talked about living to please the crowd. This is what he said. He said, when you do that, you have received your reward already. Isn't that what he said? You have received your reward from men, but you never get a reward from God because your life was created and designed to please the crowd. 
while he's calling us out to be misfits. Are we there yet? First Thessalonians 2.4. New Living Translation. All right. For we speak as messengers approved by God. Come on, somebody. Y'all see that? Approved by God, not men, to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose. Notice, you can never fulfill your purpose living to please us. Our purpose is what? To please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of the heart. Why do I do what I do? Why do I wake up in the morning and do what I do? Say what I say. Love how I love. Lead how I lead. What's the, what's the motivation? Remember, it has to be internally regulated, not externally motivated. And Paul says the reason we do what we do is to please God. The question then becomes, are my decisions and my choices pleasing God? I'm talking about your life purpose. You and I will never become who we were authentically created to be as long as we're pleasing others. Okay, let me try one more. And number two, second reason to break your approval addiction, <laughs> even my approval addiction, because we all have it to varying degrees, is because approval addiction will stunt your growth. What people say about you will become the lid on your life. Your life will never rise above the approval of others. That means if Tony says something nice about me, I'm inflated. If Tony says something bad about me, I'm deflated. Pop up for your benefit and for my benefit, for your growth and my growth. Overcome your approval addiction because what others have to say for you will be say about you will become the lid on your life. You will rise and fall by the criticism or the approval of others. Right, let's try one more. John chapter 5 and verse 44. John chapter 5 and verse 44. I don't think you even have this translation. John chapter 5 and verse 44. Let me see if I can find it. But just pull up what you have in maybe the New King James. John chapter 5 and verse 44. Is this helping anybody this morning? The Lord's helping us. I'm talking about destiny-defining, legacy-fulfilling decisions in 2018. Uh, the NCV, do you have that one? I think I have it. Forgive me, City Church. Okay, fantastic. What does it say? <laughs> John chapter 5. It is, yes. Uh, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Y'all see that? Y'all see that? When most of what we do is motivated by horizontal praise and not what God says right here vertically. Okay, let's try one more. Number three. <laughs> the third reason. How much time I got, man? 
I don't want to do this next week. Can y'all give me some chance to, can I just finish this? I promise you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go fast. The third reason to break your approval addiction, third reason is that it will lead to compromise. You know what you're supposed to do. Hmm? You got 10 people in your squad. You got nine of them going right. And you're the only one who knows. You know that you're supposed to go left. But because of the approval addiction, you choose to go right with everybody else. If you've ever felt that, you're not alone. Peter walked with Jesus three and a half years. But when he was accused of being a misfit like Jesus, the little servant girl said, hey man, weren't you with Jesus? By the third time he was accused of associating with Jesus, the scripture says he cussed out in a loud voice. Approval addiction. I'm gonna walk with Jesus until it costs me something. Let me give you one more. Approval addiction. There's a multitude standing outside in the courtyard. Pontius Pilate comes up. Even his wife had a dream and said, this man is innocent. Even Pontius Pilate, who had the ability to set Jesus free, comes up and he washes his hands. And because of his approval addiction, he says, you decide. Don't put that pressure on me. Because he wanted to be popular. Even though by his own admission, I find no fault in this man. The next words out of Pontius Pilate's mouth should have been, set him free. But because of his approval addiction, he played to the crowd. And I would venture to say that many of us in this room are making decisions daily that play to the crowd, that honor men, but don't honor God. When God is calling us to be misfits. If you're going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, just say it once of all, for the rest of your life, if you're going to follow Jesus. If you don't want to follow Jesus, that's easy. If you want to follow Jesus... For the rest of your life, you will be a square peg that culture will try to jam into a round hole. And most of us are accepting that. But I love culture. I want what Jesus wants for me, but I want everybody to be my friend. And culture is trying to jam this square peg into a round hole. It won't fit. What did I say? Was that number three? Oh, man, I could go on and on with examples of how the approval addiction will lead to compromise. Lord Jesus. Number four, the reason to break your approval addiction, and when I say your, I'm talking about mine too, is because our approval addiction will lead us to a life of hypocrisy.
it will lead us to live a life that is socially acceptable. Be true. I, I, I want you to hear that now. Our approval addiction will allow us or force us, compel us to do what is socially acceptable, but not necessarily true. Say this with me, City Church. My integrity matters more than my popularity. It's what it means to be a misfit. Number five. Man, I had so much here. Uh, while I'm reading this, can you pull up John chapter 7, verses 42 and 43? John, I'm sorry, John chapter 7, 12 and 13. John 7, 12 and 13 in the New Living. John chapter 7, 12 and 13 in the New Living Translation. Uh, Number five, it will silence my witness. It'll silence my witness. Uh, When we live to please the crowd, it will silence our witness. Um, Notice what... John chapter 7, 12 through 13. You know, you know how we say uh, silence is golden? Sometimes it's not really about silence being golden. It's about silence being cowardly. Because we're afraid of what others are going to say. Notice verse 12 of John 7. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man. But others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. These people knew Jesus was a good man. Why wouldn't they testify concerning Jesus? Because they longed for the approval of the Jewish leaders. What's the thing that keeps you from speaking up? When you know what's right. It's the approval addiction. And I can never be a misfit if I'm worried about what others think of me. And as long as I'm worried and concerned about what others think of me, I will sabotage my legacy. How people remember me. And the sum total of my life will be, here lies a man, here lies a woman who lived up to everybody else's expectations. Not the legacy God intended for him or for her. Uh, Man! Uh, Lord, help me. Okay, I got to stop it there. Can I pick up? I'll pick up next week. How about that? I've got, you ain't got to say amen like that now, Pastor Jesse. You're like, amen. He said it two or three times. Come on, man. His stomach growling. You got hungry. 
I'll let y'all out of here in time to beat the Baptist to Lubies. Amen? <laughs> Jesus' name. Approval addiction. This is where I close right here. And this is actually where I'll start. Can I just settle this for you once and for all? Approval addiction. Not even God can please everybody. Hmm? I'm just going to give you a real lighthearted illustration. Uh, right now, there are people praying for their favorite team. Chuck. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Monica. Monica's a... Mm. And that's what we, we do sometimes, right? We, we, post, we get into a posture of prayer and we say, God, I need you to do this for me. Like praying for your team. The guarantee is... Half of the people who prayed that God would let their team win walk away disappointed. Don't they? God can't please everybody. In fact, God can't please me every time because my wish is not his command. God is sovereign. And there are times when God will, will say yes and there are times when God will say no. And there are times when God will say not yet. If God who created the cosmos and the universe and the expanse of everything we know and even things we don't know, because the universe is still expanding, according to astrophysicists, Jesus or oh, God said, let there be light and the universe is still expanding, still if this same God who created all of this can't please everybody, what makes you and I think that we're going to please everybody? So just take the pressure off and realize from this day forward that you're a misfit. I'm not going to fit in with everybody. I'm not going to fit in everywhere. And I'm not going to devote the best part of my life to pleasing people who don't even care. That's Will Smith who said that. He said most of us spend our time buying stuff we can't afford to impress people who don't even notice and who don't care. That new car you bought, that you can barely afford, a whole bunch of people don't even care. And when you can't make the note, they ain't coming to help you. But you are trying to impress them, though. And they don't even care. Can't be a misfit and live for the approval of others. So, Father, we ask you to seal this word in our hearts this morning.